and it, 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 it's based on prayer. It's going to be my Sunday morning class over there. It'll start uh, in a couple weeks, I think the 25th. Um, and most of this is coming for him. I'm gonna, most of what I'm going to share today is coming from prayer that makes a difference. I want to give all credit to Dr. Erwin Lutzer. It's mostly coming out of his, his book um, that I've started reading. It's a free download if you're interested or for the class. That's part of the reason why I picked it. You can get the book for free. You can download it um, and print it. And um, we're just going to read a chapter and kind of discuss it. So, um, and the, re the reason... I picked that for that class is some things that have been churning in me recently. There's two major things that the Lord has really, I used to always say convicted, but I think that word is kind of harsh for us as believers. We, we feel kind of the hammer, like if we come under the conviction of God, I think a better word because of the, the intimacy, the tightness, the connection that we have with the heavenly fathers to say, I've been challenged. I've been challenged by my heavenly father in the same way. Maybe a coach will challenge an athlete or the music leader will challenge somebody in his band. I felt challenged by my Heavenly Father to say, if you really want more, if you want to go deeper, are you willing? Because um, I want more. That's kind of the message I've been, I've been hearing from the Lord. And it's really come down to two things for my life. One is my prayer life. And the second is being led and willing to allow the Holy Spirit to really move me, shake me, shape me. Um, and not to set my agenda and then try to line that up or plug the Holy Spirit into that. So two powerful things that I've really been, been dealing with. And it just so happens that, that the first chapter of this book actually takes those two concepts and ties them together. It's, it's just amazing how God works. Let's start by going to Psalm 91. This is a recurring psalm that it's been... It's one Kyle and I have done. Um, we've been discussing when, when we go out and, and spend some time with the Lord. I just want to do the first few verses because I think it's really the cornerstone of this, of this message. And there's two words I want to focus on or two concepts I want to focus on. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who takes refuge in the shelter of the Most High God will be safe in the shadow of the Almighty. We really like the will be safe in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to the eternal, my shelter, my mighty fortress, my God, I place all my trust in you. For he will rescue you from the snares set by the enemy who entrapped you and from the deadly plagues. Like a bird protecting its young, God will cover you with all its feathers and protect you under his great wings. His faithfulness will form a shield around you, a rock solid wall to protect you. And as I, I read that in my, uh, on my phone, and it, sometimes it has these little notes, and I clicked the little notes, um, and I read the note that was connected to this, this, these first few verses, and it was kind of eye-opening because essentially what it said without, I'm not going to take the time to go there, essentially what it said is all of the protection, all of the coverings, all of the blessings that are listed in this are connected to the, to the, to the first two actions that the believer takes in the first few verses. And so it made me really dig in. Well, what, what are those two actions? To take refuge and to trust. So I'm like, what does it look like to take refuge and to trust? To dwell. What that really comes is to dwell in the presence of the Most High God. I'll tell you a quick story about one of the ways that, uh, that I do this. And it, 
It seemed like a failure, but it really wasn't a failure, but it happened. So one of the things that I like to do, one of the, one of the ways that I get intimate with the Heavenly Father, and sometimes us as men, I'm going to talk to the men just really quick, and I strongly encourage you to go to the men's retreat. If you have not signed up and you can make it work, please go. Sometimes us as men, we, we start to talk about getting intimate with God, and even, I'll, I'll be honest, like even Patricia's message was wonderful, but my 17-year-old football player's son is like, huh? What? Like, that doesn't connect with him because he doesn't process like that. And I don't know that, that I have a big desire to get face-to-face and share breath with the Heavenly Father, but what I do have a strong desire is to hike up a hill and say, Heavenly Father, you're with me. And then when we get up there, give Jesus a chest bump and say, this is our time. This is, this is me and you. And that's what we do. So we put this together and I took Kyle with me. We're spending the night. We're going to hike up this place I go. And, and we're going to get up here. We're going to worship. We're going to play some, some worship songs. We're going to pray. We're just going to bask in the sunshine and just spend time with the Lord. And th- th- this is literally one of the most profound ways I've ever spent time. It's one of the ways I feel the closest to the heaven, Heavenly Father. To me, that's my intimacy. So we get up there, we do it, I set it up. I used to do this years ago. I called it Mount Up on a regular basis with a couple guys. Kind of hard to get guys that are weird enough to hike up and spend the night all night in the, in the trees and spend time with Jesus. But I, I think Jesus, that's exactly what he did. So that's what it comes from. We get up there, we get going. It's just wonderful. It's just amazing. We got a plan, it's a hot day. I'll just kind of cut to the chase. We get all done, we set up our hammocks and uh, crawl in our hammocks, we're gonna, we're gonna sleep. And we were at the top. I mean, we were at the tip top of this place called Bone Crusher and you can see Pactola Dam. It's just gorgeous up there. Well, the wind picks up and the temperature drops. Guess who wasn't prepared? So I was like, oh boy. So I'm, I'm snuggling, I put on all the clothes I have and I'm trying to get snuggled into this. It's not working. <laughs> Kyle, I think he's okay. He's back here with his hat backwards. Great, fine young man that's been spending some time with me. Um, and so finally I'm like, okay, it's like 11.30. I put on all the clothes I have. I'm like, I'm just gonna grit this out. I half fall asleep. 45 minutes later, I'm like, all right, I'm going to check my phone and see what time it is. Because if it's like only midnight, one o'clock, I said, I'm out of here. I'm wimping out. So I said, but if it's three or four in the morning, I'll just man up. So I look, I dig my phone out of my bag, which was kind of down between my legs in this hammock, get my phone out. It's 12.15. Oh, no. I, 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 my first thought was, Lord, I love you so much, but I can't not sleep for a whole night. Like I got, I got some stuff I need to get done tomorrow and I won't sleep a lick. This time's been wonderful, but I'm bailing. I gotta go, Lord. I love you so, and it's not that I'm bailing on the Lord, but that's just kind of how you feel. So I go to Kyle, I'm like, hey, you up with nothing. I'm like, Kyle, he's nothing. Finally, I'm like, hey, Kyle. He's like, huh. I said, man, I'm cold. I don't think I'm gonna make it. He's like, yeah, I guess I'm kind of cold too. So we packed up at like 12.30 from the top of this mountain up here in the hills, loaded up all our stuff, threw it in our pack. I put my headlamp on and here we go. (laughs) We tromped all the way out to my car, to my van, back to my house and spent, spent the night there. I don't know why I told that whole story. Other than to say the time was not wasted and God did not see that as a failure. I can tell you that quick story along that. I still didn't sleep all that well and I thought, I. That whole next day, I just kept waiting to feel like overly exhausted and tired and wore out like I just needed to sit down and take a nap, and it never happened. 
It never happened. I probably got five hours of decent sleep, maybe four. And the only explanation I have for that was God honoring that time with him and supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do everything I needed that day because I was willing to dedicate that time to the Lord. He's done that many, many times in my life. Many, many times in my life. Second point I want to make about being up there is one of the most powerful things I see when I'm up there that is a very practical, practical application of this verse is we get up there and every time I've been up there, the Lord has, has shown these brought these hawks, or there's been these hawks. I think the Lord sends them just as a reminder of his goodness. And I don't know if you've ever been up high and watched a hawk soar, and I mean soar. Like when I was up this morning kind of outside, I watched some geese flying, and they're like, I mean, they're struggling, and they're flapping, and they get where they need to go. Or if you watch like a lot of birds, their, their wings are just, no. What the Lord's talking about here, at least in my book, is so peaceful and so calm. And you can watch these hawks. They barely flap their, their wings at all, if that's the right. And they'll just come swooping in, and I mean just effortlessly, just sail. And they'll turn, and they'll sail. And just for, it seems like they can do it indefinitely. It's just, but that's what the Lord's talking about is that. He, it just reminds me of what the Lord's talking about when he said he will protect you under his great wings. There's peace and there's comfort and there's calmness when we crawl under those wings and we just dwell. We just dwell and we rest and we relax and we say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. One of the most powerful places we can be in our life. So let me jump ahead, and I promise you I will be sensitive of your time. I've said all that to say, how do we get there? How do we dwell? And that's what I like so much about this book and what we're going to talk about. Dr. Erwin Lutzer gets extremely practical in the first chapter of the book. But first, I and I've read this, Mark's heard it. I'm sorry to all of you that have already heard this from me because it just kind of knocks my socks off, and I think it's funny because it's a true story. Chapter 1. Devotions with a difference. I'm just going to flat out read this to you. And I, this, I think this was a long time ago because we don't use this, this verbiage anymore. A tavern was being built in a town which until recently had been dry. So there was a tavern's a bar for you young guys or people that may not. Essentially, a town many, many years ago didn't have any alcohol establishments that sold alcohol where you could go and drink. And they were going to build and somebody in the town was going to build one. A group of Christians were opposed to this and began an all-night prayer meeting. When was the last time you heard of an all-night prayer meeting? Asking God to intervene. Incredibly, lightning struck the tavern, and it burned to the ground. That's, that's only part of the story. The owner of the tavern of the bar brought a lawsuit against the church, claiming they were responsible. This is where it's comical. The, the Christians hired a lawyer, a lawyer declining responsibility. So the judge responded at court and basically said, no matter how this case turns out, one thing is clear. The tavern owner, the bar owner, believes in the power of prayer and the Christians do not. <laughs> that's a little bit eye-opening. So that's how he opens. The, this is, that's the class. It's pretty convicting, I think, for a lot of us. Um, because God does answer prayer. It's not whether or not God answers prayer. It has more to do with, I think, us and our prayer life and, and, and our approach to the, to the Heavenly Father, our personal daily relationship. And 
What Dr. Lutzer does in the, in the first chapter of this book is more so than just giving us a step-by-step about prayer. He challenges us about having a daily, personal, intimate time with the Heavenly Father. Because that's really the source. And actually, when you think about that, you want, you, if, if you want some uh, um, reassurance or um, the Lord... As I, was, as I was preparing this, I don't even know where. As I was preparing all this and digging out my notes, I think this was actually in this folder that I was using. This was a, uh, a message from Sean, 227.22. If you want to see it, I'll tell it. I'll, I'll show it to you. I believe it was in this folder, which until last night I had no idea I was using for this. But anyway, Sean quotes in, in here, prayer ought to be born out of time with God. From the biblical sense, boldness is, is a physical trait. It can be naturally, we can be naturally quiet, but, spirit, but spiritual courage comes from the Holy Spirit. And he, anyway, right in here was a whole sermon that Sean talked about prayer, which was just more confirmation. That's the world I was looking at, that we're right on tack. tack. And then all of Bob's, all of Bob's, um, I could just sit and bask under that type of worship. Sometimes I want to hoot and holler and jump and scream. Sometimes I just want to bask in God's presence. And I think it was intentional that our praise and worship this morning was basking. Because today we just need to dwell. Or if this morning we just need to dwell in the goodness of God. Okay, so devotions that make a difference. And Dr. Erlitzer writes the first chapter. Basically, it's extremely practicable. How do we have devotional time that makes a difference? Well... Let me, okay, so yeah, he answers this question. What would happen if we sought God consistently? And then he quotes Martin Luther King. And this is a little bit eye-opening. Martin Luther King, direct quote from him because it's in quotations. Chew on this for just a second. All sin is contempt of God. What that means is whether we sin deliberately It, what it really is saying is that we're dissatisfied with God. But when God meets our need, we can resist temptation because sin loses its effectiveness. It kind of changes you. That will change your perspective on sin and how you see the things that you do and maybe why you do the things that you do and kind of help you get to that, that core root, which another quick plug, ultimate journey. Men, I haven't done it, but I understand the concept. It's not weird and spooky. If you want the ultimate journey in a nutshell, Lyle, forgive me, this is wrong. The ultimate journey is saying, Father, holy, I have hurts in my life. I have misbeliefs in my life, and I open up your Holy Spirit to reveal them to me and correct them with the truth that comes out of your word. Everything that you get in there, you will find a lie, and you're going to fix it with the word by the truth from the Heavenly Father that will absolutely line up with his word. And if not, it's garbage, throw it out. If somebody gives you something that doesn't line up with his word, it's garbage, throw it out. So, the, the second, so I guess these first points are why we want to have this, this type of devotional. So firstly, it's going to help us with the sin in our life. The second thing he points out is the blessing that comes with it. Remember, God rewards those who seek him. Christ promised that those who pray in the closet or in a quiet place who are willing to get alone 
He'll bless you in public. Now that could be a selfish motivation, and, it, and you may not actually know what that blessing is, but I assure you those quiet times will empower um, and prepare you for the things that come your way in your day-to-day -day life. Finally, the loving God made us fellowship with him. Um, and it's a blessing. And I don't, I don't know if he talks about this right here in this part, but I talk about this. Um, one of the thoughts that I have with this is in America we have this concept and we understand abundance leads us to complacency or leads us to take advantage or leads us to not cherish so many of the things that we have. And it's kind of our, our nature, it's our culture in, in, in America. Um, you know, it, I've got several other pairs of shoes, for example. So is it really that big a deal if these, sh these shoes get destroyed? No, but if this was my only and primary pair of shoes and I needed them to last for a really long time, how much better would I take care of them? The reason I say that is I think as Christians in America, we have a tendency to get a little complacent because so many, we feel like there's so many avenues for us to connect with God or be available. We, ha we have so many more resources um, to connect with the Heavenly Father than a lot of other people have. And we feel like they're just always going to be there and it's always just going to be that easy. I can always just go find my favorite worship songs. I can always just find my, um, you know, my favorite uh, version of the Bible and read that. I, I can always just find some of my favorite devotions like this from Char Charles Spurgeon. I, it's, it's just always going to be there. And so I don't necessarily take it all that seriously. Um, and I think that has a tendency to lead us to complacency, which is, I don't know if it's time for that or not. I may be getting myself all out of, all out of whack here. No, I think it is. I think it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to discuss this just quickly. So complacency, and this is another thing I actually stole from, from uh, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle, because sometimes... I love to hang out with Kyle. He's a lot younger than me, and he's a young man that's preparing to go into the Marine Corps, and the Lord, I believe, has strategically placed him here to help him prepare that. And on paper, it probably looks like this mentoring ship of me mentoring him, but I tell you, if you open yourself up to minister to those even then younger than you, and they're willing to participate in that, they will turn around and minister to you. And this concept actually came from him. So, so many times we actually talk about and, and when I was coming in, the message that was being preached was exactly like this, about how we're under attack or we get attacked, um, and we have to ward that off. And that's true. But in many situations, I think, one, we give too much credit to that. Two, it's not always the case, because if you really love Jesus, and I told Sandy Lofberg this, and I mean it with all my heart, last thing the Lord wants is Sandy to end up in the hospital. I mean, the last thing Satan wants is Sandy to end up in the hospital. The Lord doesn't want it either. Sorry, Sandy, I misspoke. Somebody should have said, what's wrong with you? Last thing, and I meant this, is the Lord, Satan wants is Sandy to end up in the hospital because Sandy believes in the power of healing. And all she's going to start doing is casting out demons and praying over sick people. And whether she's getting ready or not, she's bringing the presence of God 
wherever she's at in that hospital, and it will change the atmosphere. It will change the environment. So he's like, no, that's going to bring glory to God. The enemy's like, I really don't want to plop her in the hospital. <laughs> my point is, my point is, what I think the, 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 the enemy does much more to us is lulls us to sleep with pleasure, money, nice cars, all the things in this physical world, and all of a sudden we're like, life is good. Like, I got a bed to sleep in, I got a car to drive, my needs are met, I don't worry how I'm gonna pay my bills, I don't have to worry about if I'm gonna lose my job. I mean, I just pretty much described myself in a nutshell. So what's my driving factor to stay dependent upon the Heavenly Father? Because it's when that bottom falls out, if you know Jesus and you love the Lord, you're going to start beating the, um, you're gonna, your, your prayer life is going to get real serious and you're going to start kicking open doors in heaven. That's my words. You probably don't, but, and you're going to start making a difference and changing things and really getting serious about your relationship with your Lord. But I think one of the biggest problems with the church in America right now is we've been lulled to sleep as believers. And we've got complacent and we've gotten happy and we've gotten undisciplined and we've accepted this low level and, it, and, it, and it's, God wants more for us as his children and he wants more for the church because he's got so much more um, that we are able to do. But it may not be as comfortable and it's probably not gonna, two things, it's not gonna be as comfortable, likely, and it's also probably not gonna be as self-promoting. I can tell you that, it's, it's, it's not gonna be self-promoting. Okay, that's my spiel there. Five ingredients, extremely practical. That's why I picked this. We're going to wrap this up with um, Dr. Erwin Lutzer goes right into five things that are necessary to have this intimate devotion time, this deep connection with the Heavenly Father. It's right out of this book. If anybody wants it, you can go get it. Um, it, it it's, it's very powerful. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a nuts and bolts type of guy. If you want to get into the Greek and the Hebrew and all that stuff, you need Nick Reed up here. He can get you there. If you want nuts and bolts, boots to the ground, here's what we're going to do, troops, so that we can draw closer to God. That's what you're getting today. Amen. First thing we need, first of all, time. Time's presser, Brent used to say this, the most valuable thing that God has given us is time. Um, and the older I get, the more I realize it. And there's certain things that that I now understand that I didn't understand when I was a young parent that I'm trying to teach my kids that are young parents because, and I, I, I told my friend Bill this, I said, God, God will fix our health, or he can. He'll supernaturally heal you, or he'll get you on a path. He can fix your finances. He can set you free from whatever addiction, addiction you have. He's done all of that. But the one thing that I just, God just doesn't do and it's not that he can't. He just doesn't do it. He did it one time that I know of in the Bible. He does not turn back the clock. He's not going to turn back the clock and set you back 10 years and let you fix or do stuff or make things up. Time is the most valuable thing that God has given us on this earth. And I think it's another one of my pet peeves, how poorly we manage our time in America. It falls into that whole concept of being lulled to sleep. Um, Mark 1.35, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. This was Jesus, first thing in the morning. Disciples don't even know where he is. He gets up, and I don't know what a desolate place is um, in those areas, but I know I was in a desolate place yesterday afternoon and completely lost, um, way up in the, in the, in the, in the Black Hills. Um, if we don't specify a time, our day quickly becomes filled with many, many, many other things. And this is where you have to be careful, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I've had this conversation with, with um, Mark Hemfelt um, in our Tuesday, Tuesday morning thing, and this is kind of my approach, because the problem with this, and please don't take this wrong, the problem is when you start giving a list or five things, people in the church instantly start thinking legalism, legalistic. Here's, here's how I see the difference. If I say church, with, that, with few exceptions, if I say church, we will all be up at six o'clock every morning praying. You're gonna get up at six o'clock, I'm gonna get up. To me, I, that's legalistic. That's legalistic. It's not my job to tell you what time to get up and pray. However, I think Sean or me or whoever's up here absolutely has the right to say, fellow believers, how's your prayer life? I strongly encourage you to get up and do it. Meet with God first thing in the morning. It'll set the tone for your whole day and to hold you accountable that you are actually praying and have a prayer life. Two different things. We need to hold each other accountable because we need to have a prayer life and a devotional time. We just don't want to put too many constraints on it. So a couple other thoughts about that time. Time is the very first, first thing that he, that he talked about in here. We have to dedicate it. Um, Jesus took time in the midst of much, much pressure. He'd been healing and casting out demons. The whole city was gathered at the door. And he healed, he healed many who were sick and cast out many demons. Then he goes to bed that night. He gets up. He goes off and pray. And he comes back. And through that prayer time, the Lord sends him somewhere else. And he just, in our perspective, he just leaves everybody in that town kind of hanging. But that's because he wasn't going to, he was going to be led by the Holy power of the Holy Spirit where his heavenly father wanted as a result of his devotional time and prayer time with the heavenly father not by the wants and the wills or even the desires of the people or his, or his disciples makes me think of this and, I, and I've had this thought here recently too I love the the Lord's prayer you know that's how Jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what we're really saying when we say that is, Lord, I am a vessel to fulfill what you want me to do empowered by your Holy Spirit. But I had a little, I don't know, epiphany, and I've realized, what if I did it this way? Or instead of saying that and then just going about my day and then if things aren't going the way I think they should, feeling like God failed me or didn't hear that prayer or whatever, what if I got up and I, I said a prayer along those lines? And, I, and I've actually started trying to do this. So I get up and I say, Heavenly Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give me what I need. Holy Spirit, I surrender to you. Give me what I need to take care of, what tackle, whatever comes my way. And then no matter what comes my way, I accept it as the will of God 
and believe that I am empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in it. How about that for turning the tables? It was very eye-opening for me, especially when there are certain things um, that I really didn't like that would happen during the day after I would say that, and I could say, you know what? I prayed, Lord, for your will to come for your kingdom to come and your will to be done, and I subjected myself to it, this is not outside of your hands, so I surrender in this. What is my role? What is my part? Holy Spirit, lead me. It will completely change your mindset and your thought, especially about how the things that come into your day or your life throughout the course of that day that make no sense or seem upside down or just absolute nonsense. Time, we must have that time. Even, even in our busy, busy, crazy lives. Uh-oh. You guys ready for your quiz? There is a quiz today. I almost forgot about it. There's only two questions. Don't panic on me. I'm just going to take a few minutes and let you answer this quiz. If you have a pen, and on the back of your piece of paper there, here's all I want you to do. You might not like me after this. Create a list of things more important than spending time with the Lord. That's all you got to do. Can you please write out a list of things that are more important in your life than your personal, private, devotional time with the Lord? I'm not going to give you too much time because it's kind of a loaded question. But I think it kind of drives the point home. Um, and truthfully, actually, while I was writing out that question, I, I, uh, I kind of got caught up in myself, and it's only a one-question quiz because I, uh, I didn't write down the second one. I think I forgot what the second question on the quiz was. But it's really just a creative way of I saying that truly there is nothing more, and everything will line up when we prioritize our time, our time with the Lord. Things just seem to... They don't just seem... Things do fall into place, and they get in the proper order and work out the way they should, when we get our priorities straight. Second is a place. The second thing on his list of five things is, and I, I am a firm believer of this because we get haphazard and lackadaisical, and I am big on being intentional. It's really, really big on one of my, one, one of the things that if you know me and spend very much time with me, one, I'm pretty intense and I'm pretty passionate. Um, and there was, a, there was a, a time in my life when I thought, mm, I, I, I tried to squash that because I thought I couldn't, I'd just run over top of people or I'd get all fire up and then people are going to be like, this guy's a freak. And that's okay. But what I've realized, that's, that's a gift from the Father and I just need to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide the intensity and passion that he's put within my heart. Because trust me, it, it boils up sometimes and I'm like, oh boy, Lord. Let's conquer the world. I just, I get very intense and passionate and intentional. When he talks about having a place, it doesn't have to be anything that's super special. But what I, what I believe is so powerful about the place is that if that's my place that I spend time and it's just crossing that line, then when I physically do that, it's, it's telling me and the Heavenly Father, I am here to be with you. It really is that simple, but I think there's something extremely powerful about saying this room, this corner, this chair, um, and I've got multiple places outside. 
uh, uh, that I go to, the flowers. If you want to get, see the beauty of God, be careful now, the bees are buzzing. But the flower gardens on West Rapid, I go there to spend time. It's one of my places. I go there and I walk. I was there the other day before Gideon's football team. I got our game. I got off early. I got my PT test coming. I jogged over to this place. It's really not that far. I'm just walking through the flowers and the guys kind of, and I kind of recognize him. I'd seen him here before. And uh, we talk a little bit. I said, this is a place I just come to be quiet and spend time with the Lord and, and admire his beauty. He's like, this is my favorite garden here, and I kind of do the same thing. I always pick to weed this one because I'm a believer too. So anyway, a, a specific place, and to be very intentional with that place, there's just something about it. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell on that overly long other than to say it's, it's, it's extremely important. Um, be intentional. Find a place. Um, and I would challenge you on this too. Find some places that aren't super convenient. To me, I send that's uh, I, like hiking up to the top of a mountain with, purely for the purpose of spending time with the Lord. Um, and every time I go to do that, I told Kyle, every time I go to do that and I'm like, I'm just going out here to spend time with you or anytime I get in my car and I'm like, you got this whole long list of to do and I'm driving to a place despite that with the whole purpose of spending time with the Lord, I feel like the biggest dork and weirdo and like, am I kind of crazy? Like, who does this? But there's something so powerful when you are willing to not only set that time, but be very intentional and deliberate to set yourself aside. God honors that. And he always shows up. He always shows up. And I would encourage you that. It's a good reminder too when you have those. It's so hard for us to slow down, be a quiet and be alone. And I get it. We, we don't like to be alone. And if, you have a, if you're a person that struggles with loneliness, please don't feel convicted by this. Or if you already do spend a lot of time alone, maybe this isn't for you. But for so many of us, that place where we can slow down, be quiet, and be alone, even on a walk or a little subtle place. That alone time that you dedicate to the Heavenly Father is really where it's the most powerful and impactful. Um, it's, it's where he can really get a hold of you, and you don't have to worry about anything interfering with that. And even when we, like, we go up on if I take people with me and during that mount up experience is what I'd call it when we kind of go out for an overnight, we'd get together, we'd spend some time in the Word, we'd get, we'd get up there, we'd kind of set the tone, and then we all go our own way. And you go in your own way and you spend time with the Lord, and when you feel like it's time for you to, you to come back, whatever time frame that is, you come back to the camp. Um, it still has that, that alone element. Okay, was that the second? I think we're on to the third, purpose. Third thing that he mentions is purpose. You need to be very deliberate and make sure that that time has a distinct purpose and that it has two-way communication. Two-way communication. What, what that means is you're not just barking at the, barking a duty list at the Lord. Um, you, you are sharing your heart, but you're also going to allow the Lord to speak into your heart. And that's what Jesus did. And I completely agree with his, um, his statement here. 
Well, let me, before I say that, let me say this. One reason prayer can become mundane is because we think God isn't listening to us. Why on earth would we think that? I tell you why I think that, because I'm such a terrible listener, because it's so hard for me to shut off all the distractions in my life and truly listen. I did it just, I think it was just last night. I was doing something, Di was saying something, I'm kind of half listening, and then she kind of hit, said some key words that was like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I put down what I said because what I thought she was saying was kind of something alarming in reference to our kids, so my ears perked up. I'm like, wait a minute, I was only half listening. Uh, but that sounded like that could be really problematic and something stirring in the family. I need you to repeat that last part. And it wasn't. I had misunderstood because I was only half listening. And I think we take our inability to listen and sometimes um, put that on God. That's not the case. He's always listening. He's the perfect listener. Even if you're telling him things that um, well, first of all, he already knows. But even if, you're, even if you're making requests that he's like, if you only knew, child, if you only knew, you really wouldn't be wanting things that way. He's still listening, and his heart is still there, and his ears are still open, and he will still lovingly guide you right through that. I mean, sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we pray like my two-year-old granddaughter makes requests to me that are just ridiculous, but she doesn't have that concept, but there's no way that that is in her best interest and I can fulfill that, what, what she wants or so desperately thinks she needs. And I, we would be naive to think that many times um, some of our prayers, they, they, they seem so aligned with even what we may know in the scripture, but with just our infinite, just our minute understanding and the Lord's like, I love you child and I will answer that prayer but you really can't see the big picture here, so please trust me. Anyway, God is listening. No one can have a successful devotional life unless God is speaking to him. Each morning, we should read God's word until we have a thought or a verse that will carry us throughout the day. That might, push, that might kind of push you over into that legalism thing, and I don't want you to feel legalistic. Um... But what Dr. Erwin Lutzer is really saying here is, is um, he believes that, 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 that Jesus got a lot of audible from the Heavenly Father, and we can too, but as a rule of thumb, the Heavenly Father is going to speak through you, to you through his word that he already gave you. This is God's love letter to you. And I'm not going to go on my side spiel. I almost did. It's going to come up at the men's retreat if I get a chance to share you're going to hear how I feel about writing men, in particular writing love letters and letters of encouragement to your children. Because this is the ultimate love letter from the creator of the universe to us to encourage us, to build us up, to guide us, um, and to show his undying um, love and, and affection and promises to us that he will fulfill. Okay. The... So, so what he's saying here is what you really need to do in that, in that time is you get there, and I'm going to add a third element to this that he didn't because it's so powerful to me. That time needs to consist of prayer, you're talking to God, scripture reading, you're asking God to talk to you, and there's something really powerful when you're like, Lord, my heart is open. Um, speak to me through your word. Holy Spirit, I surrender. Get something churning in me that's from you, God, that I can carry for the day. 
He will answer that every time, every time. Another element that he doesn't have in here that I strongly believe in in that time is, a, is worship. Um, it's a way you can take, if you're a terrible singer like me, it's a way you can take advantage of the technology that, which you, that we have. Turn on a couple of your favorite worship songs. Let that song play. The one, the one for me right now that I, that I did this morning, and um, I probably played it five times this morning, honestly, is that Honey in the Rock song. Um, it's just awesome. I just let it play, and it just talks about God's goodness, and he's going to fulfill, and he's going to um, provide. And it, you know, because it's, it's, it's talking about several major events where God came through, where he provided water out of the rock, where he provided manna in the desert. And I can't even think of the other ones. And it just reminds us that our God is good, and he's faithful, and he will do the same for you. Um, but the other thing I'm going to add to that, to that list, though, is worship in that, in that, in that time, because that sets my heart. Um, that sets the tone. If I get a couple songs going, it, it, it just gets me right. Um, D.L. Moody, have you heard of him? D.L. Moody said, sometimes we read the Bible like he hoed a garden, which for those of you, that, that's pretty old school language. That's, that'd be like kind of how he got the weeds out of his garden. He had to put a stick in the ground to indicate the rose that had been weeded. Evidently, he did such a poor job that one could not tell the difference simply by looking. He said, that's how a lot of us read the Bible. Lord, let that not be us. And what he's really saying there is, is obviously, he wasn't a gardener. And so he was just going through the motions to make himself feel like he got the weeds out of his garden. He really wasn't doing it with all his heart and mind and soul. Purpose. The time has to have purpose. I believe that's our, is that our fourth thing? I think that we're going to go with that's our fourth thing because the last one is this here says, oh no, I want to talk about this. Um, so on the end of that D.L. Moody statement, Dr. Ulan said, uh, Lutzer says, that's why meditation in the word is so important. We must absorb the word of God into our minds so that it does not simply pass through as water through a, I don't even know that word, S-I-E-V-E, -E, sieve. Thank you very much. Which obviously a sieve does not hold water. It's a funnel or something. But the, the point is, is in this, in this time we really need to meditate and, and focus so that we can absorb and be fed and get something something churning in there from the Heavenly Father that you can just chew on and that you can trust Him with no matter what comes along. Finally, Christ enjoyed this fellowship with God the Father. Um, and I might have alluded this. I think I kind of jumped this point, so I won't labor here. Um, I'm in wrap-up mode. Um, this is where he really talks about... Um, How, how Jesus, after that time, he was so, knew what the Holy Spirit wanted. Um, Christ didn't return to the crowd. He left them waiting and disappointed. Time with his father was more important than meeting their expectations. He left a fruitful ministry to go where he was not always welcome. The will of the father was all that mattered to him, and that all came out of this divine devotion. Um, I don't know where this, where this is in here, but um, I skipped over it, but I can, I can give the gist of it as I, as I kind of 
wrap this up and, and, and glance at my notes. Um, somewhere also in, the, in this first chapter, he talks about if Jesus showed up in a physical, as, 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 in the physical form again, um, what lengths, how far, what commitment, what would you do to get 10 minutes of face-to-face with him, five minutes of face-to-face with him? Um, and compare that to how much effort, this is my two cents, he doesn't have this, not that that matters. Compare that to how much effort you do to make sure you make it to your favorite concert or to your favorite restaurant or to your favorite vacation spot. Um, the, more, the, the point that he's making here, and it kind of goes back into that, I think that complacently con- complacency concept is... Um, it's so easy to take for granted the gift that God has given us to abide and dwell in his wonderful, wonderful presence in whatever form that means to you. And if, it's, if that's the face-to-face and, and eyeball-to-eyeball, that's wonderful. If that's hiking up the mountain, if that's getting um, alone with him in a, in a garage full of... Uh, Grease and wrenches, that's fine too. It's not about the place, it's about the purpose and the, and, and the plan. But, but the, the point is, 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 I think all of us could say, if we had a chance to meet with him face to face, we would spare no expense. Um, we would probably give our life savings and beyond and put ourselves in substantial debt because we know how life-changing that would be. However, that's exactly the opportunity that we we have on a daily basis. It just may not be in the form um, that, you know, that, that we're so used to. We're not going to see him in his fashion and bud. We're going to get with him in a still quiet place and let him speak to us through the power of our, of our Holy Spirit. And it could be awkward, except the awkwardness. I was, I was reading one of other Sean's sermon notes that just happened to be in one of my in my uh, things here, and, and it, um, he talked about awkwardness sometimes of, 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 of being uh, uh, close and following the Father, the, the will of the Heavenly Father, and, and really being led by the Holy Spirit. And you know what's so powerful about this? Sean didn't say the awkwardness isn't going to be there. He didn't say ignore it. He said embrace it. Just embrace it. Just know that this is weird, but it's being done because it's true. It's being done because it's powerful. It's being done because it's, it's, it's what I need to do to spend time with the Lord. And we don't like weirdness. Nobody likes weirdness. Um, and for me, that's the full thing. And I'll, and I'll wrap it up with this. We're going to do one thing with the song, if we can cue that up. Um, this prayer life... Like I said, the two things I've been being challenged on are my prayer life and the Holy Spirit. And what I've realized, they really all come together as one. Because at the same time, I'm kind of discovering stuff like this that I think is really going to amp up my prayer life. I'm also discovering the things um, Dr. Charles Swind's, or Swindoll is doing the, some of the most powerful teaching. And he is not a spirit, like a talking in tongues, spirit-filled believer. Um, but he is teaching some of the most powerful 
stuff I've ever heard about being led by the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will put you right in the middle of the fire could look like he's taking you to the... Last night I listened to the one where he's talking about how Paul was led in the shipwreck and absolutely inspired and led by the Holy Spirit or that whole situation would have never um, turned out like it, like it did. The moral of the story is, is, the, is the two are one and, and, and the Holy Spirit's purpose is to lead you and guide you and connect you with the Heavenly Father. That's why he put him there. He's our guide. He's our protector. He's your leader. Um, and the more you are open to, be, to being led by him uh, and willing to let him set your agenda, willing to let him lead your life, the closer, more intimate you will walk with the Heavenly Father and the more impact and powerful your prayer life will be. It builds on itself. Anyway, a quick note about that too. If you ever listen to Charles Swindoll, I was really shocked for him to say, I, don't, I can't say that I totally walk in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but I will no longer condemn anybody that says they do, especially if whatever results of it line up with the Word of God, because that is not my place and the Lord can absolutely move that way. That's a big deal from a, from a person like him. That's a really, really big deal. Um, if you know uh, Charles Swindoll, the old Marine Corps, I don't know if he's Southern, I don't know what his denomination is, doesn't matter. So we're gonna take a minute here um, with everything that's going on. This, this song played as I was driving back from the middle of no man's land and I just felt like it's a song. Sometimes I dance, I'm sorry, I didn't have time to come up with a dance, but this song just talks about the busyness of life, and what I really like about it is the choruses are just like chaotic. They're just like, bah, 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 and then it gets quiet, and it just talks about breathing and getting, on your, getting your time with the Lord, and then the next chorus, bah, bah, and, it, and ultimately then it just comes down to this whole concept of just breathe. Just be quiet and be still and dwell. If you're watching online, you won't be able to see this, the name of the song is, if you want to try and YouTube it, but we can't, I guess, show it live, I was told. I can find it here real quick. Maybe. No pressure. Breathe by Johnny Dive.